nine, 10. There we go, there's 10 seconds done. Excellent. So, straw it in. So today we are, um, we are actually, um, for all of our visitors today, we have been journeying through Ezra and Nehemiah, um, unpacking what that story means in our context today and what it meant for them. Um, so through the story, we've delved into devotion, obedience, unity, perseverance, humility, celebration, faithfulness, and praise. Um, today is our last of our series. So um, you've, you've missed it all, basically. But that's okay, um, because we have a final little bit. So last week, um, we had a big group from um, Open Heaven, which is the church we are planted from um, in Loughborough. Um, OH1, so their 20s and 30s expression were here. And Stacy, who leads that, started to share a little bit about Sabbath. And today, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more. I'm going to go bit more into that, um, give us some practicalities and some of my thoughts on Sabbath, because it's a little bit of kind of a, um, a, a heart um, kind of message for me that is coming through, um, especially in our society today. But I'll unpack that. So, um, so this is the end of our uh, Ezra and Nehemiah series, um, but there is some exciting, it's the Summer of Psalms coming up next, so um, that's going to be great. So to begin with, Sabbath. What is Sabbath? Well, throughout the Bible, it appears um, often with quite a negative connotation because it tends to be people aren't Sabbathing properly. In our Nehemiah passage, so Nehemiah 13, um, it's talking about how to um, how the temple in Jerusalem is being rebuilt. Things are starting to happen. Traders are coming and going. Um, but we start to move away from the ideal scenario of what's been happening. So Nehemiah, who was the cupbearer to the king, had gone back to uh, be cupbearer for a little while. He comes back to Jerusalem and um, sees kind of people not Sabbathing. And then there's something starting to creep into the people already that they have started to be less reliant on God as they had been through the rebuilding but they've started to become a little bit reliant on what the world tells them is right. Like, isn't that so easy to do? So Nehemiah 13, verses 15. Um, if you've got a Bible, do turn there. I will read it now. It says, In those days I saw men of Judah treading out their wine presses on the Sabbath. They were also bringing in grain, loading it on donkeys, and bringing their wine, grapes, figs, and all sorts of produce to Jerusalem to sell on the Sabbath. So I rebuke them for selling their produce on that day. Wow. I rebuke them on that day. It sounds pretty extreme, doesn't it? Like, you know, these guys have been working hard. They've rebuilt this city. And then they, they by their own accord, are starting to tread their wine presses, as we all do, you know. Um, they start to sell their figs and, and basically try and get ahead of their week um, by not taking a rest, but just kind of, you know, starting to press ahead. Like, often in our society today, that is praised. But throughout the Bible, we see often that the language is so strong to say, hang on a minute, you must Sabbath. You must find rest. For example, in Exodus, um, the, the Israelites have left um, they are in the wilderness, and manna is coming down from heaven, so bread is coming down each day. Um, 
that they go out and collect and cook up. Apart from on Saturday, twice the amount comes down. So they pick up twice the amount, cook up and prepare for Sunday. This is kind of the rule that is laid down so that they don't go out on the Sunday and collect on that day. Because that is the day of Sabbath. They should not work. Why is there such a strict rule there? Like later in Exodus 31 verse 14, it says, Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Again, pretty extreme. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. Like that's a pretty big threat, isn't it? Can you imagine if like we kind of heard, oh, what are you, what are you doing today? Is it your Sabbath day? Yeah, it's my Sabbath day. But I'm just going to go to Aldi and go and pick up my food shop. And then, then I've got to do some weeding. Um, and then I've got to do this. And then if we were to say, right. You are going to be put to death and cut off from our family because of this. Like, that's pretty extreme, isn't it? But this is the extent that the Bible talks about the importance of Sabbath. But because of this, Sabbath can so easily become something that is just seen as a religious thing. That it's kind of like you must observe the Sabbath. It becomes, in, our, in the way that we read it, I think so often we think that it is just um, a religious rule. That we don't really get why. We're just kind of told, do not do this. To a point where in the New Testament, we see the Pharisees challenging Jesus with, why, why are you healing on the Sabbath? It's a day of rest. Surely that is work. Why are you, as you're walking along, picking up grains of seed? That is work. What are you doing? You must be put to death. Look what it says in the scriptures. And Jesus is kind of like, well, hang on a minute. You are viewing this with such a rule-based society. Yet actually the Sabbath we do, and Jesus did Sabbath. He took time. He um, spent time with his uh, disciples. But there is this challenge of Jesus saying, you are viewing it wrong. It is not about the rule that we must do to be right with God. You are right with God by living in relationship with him. But it is about the heart of what the Sabbath means. It is about what it does to our inner being that makes a difference. So let's get it right. The Sabbath, yes, it is a law. It is a rule, something that God has given to us for his people to follow. For example, it is one of the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Like, <laughs> have you ever have you ever stopped to think? Like I've heard one um, church leader say that um, isn't it funny that if you broke down the commandments into like if you know as a church leader if I was to steal or commit adultery or murder, not only would I be in trouble with society, but actually I I would one hundred percent I I not work here. This is another pastor, but. Um, I would 100% lose my job. If you broke any of the other commandments, would 100% would lose his job. However, if I didn't do the Sabbath, if actually I just worked harder, I worked harder, did more and more, probably what would happen is I'd get a pay rise. But isn't that so evident in our society? Because... Sabbath is so countercultural to rest in our society that tells us that we must keep on striving for more. Advertisement bombards our minds with, we need more. 
Technology is constantly at our fingertips with social media, with online shopping, with everything else, that we are always connected, we are always striving. There is always something in us that is saying, you need more, you deserve more. Whether it's at work, that kind of pressure to do more, to get that promotion, to get that title, to be paid more. It's so easy to kind of get into a position where it's like, I need to work on, the, on my Sabbath. I can't take time off. Life is too busy. I would actually go to a point where I think our society tells us that um, to, to get ahead in life, the art of life itself is to push yourself so far to the point, just before breaking point, but beyond your comfort zone, to keep on pushing further and further and further. However, I would argue, and I believe that the heart of God and the heart of the Bible in the, the way that it speaks of Sabbath, is that Sabbath is not supposed to be religious at all. Yet it is a grounding in how we are built to live life to the full. It is good for us to regularly rest and ground ourselves back in God's family and into some energy. Like, notice that there are, last time I checked, there are seven days a week, yeah? Often I would wish that there was eight or nine. But there are seven days a week, and Sabbath asks us to use one of these days. Which does mean that, according to my maths, my PhD will come in here, according to my maths, that means there are six days for work, okay? And it doesn't say, oh, just take it easy and kind of like try and get rest throughout the week. You know, if you can grab half an, ear, half an hour here or there, that's great. But it actually says, no, work really hard in everything you do. Colossians 3.28 says, work hard in everything as if it is for the Lord. So working hard for six days, we are built to work and work with creation, work in that. However, there is this rhythm of rest that should come in. That after six days of working hard, working well, we rest, we recover, we reconnect with lo loved ones, reconnect with God, we Sabbath. And if you're not sure about this, maybe you think life is too short, there is so much to do, look at all that is out there. I don't want to be left behind in my career, like I know this one really, really well. So I'm at the very start of my career, and... Um, so I work as a researcher in Bangor, and I know that a lot of my peers, a lot of the people at the same stage as me, um, will easily do 50, 60, 70 hour weeks every week. I do 37 hours, that's what I'm contracted to do. Maybe I do 40, but so many of my peers will put in their extra time, they will push and push and push. And I am there kind of like, hang on a minute, but I am called to rest, I am called to spend time well with my family, I am called to lead church, like, how do I fit all of that in without just reaching a point of exhaustion? And they seem as though they're getting well ahead of me, but you know what? They are exhausted. They are suffering with their relationships. They are not having fun. Yet, they just want to get to that next step. They just think, if I just put in the 60-hour weeks for the next year, I will get that promotion. I will reach the next step, and then I will be happy. But then they reach that next step, and it's like, oh. There's another step. Do I go for it? Yeah, I'll go for it. 
Now, this isn't to say that we don't want to pursue excellence, that we don't want to pursue um, working really hard. However, is there more to life than that? You see, when you look at the natural world around us, it speaks of this rhythm of work and rest. In the creation story, God worked for six days, and heck, he was pretty productive, yeah? Like, you know, create the whole universe and stuff in six days. But then he rested on the seventh. Within creation, within the natural environment, we have the seasons, the natural process of the world where all the life of summer and spring, all the growth and produce then slows through autumn and comes to a rest for a short while in winter. Then how about our biology? How about us? Our very own heartbeat has a natural cycle of a time when it is working and a time of rest. The very thing that gives us life comes from this natural pattern of work, beat, and rest, recover. The rhythm of rest is established throughout creation. The very fact that there is rest in our heartbeat in winter is the very thing that brings us the life in the work. But a decision to Sabbath is hard. It takes a lot of sacrifice. You have to be really intentional with it. Choose to lay stuff down for a while as to be able to fully rest. You know, sometimes we must first choose that we have to be content with where we are before we can actually rest fully. Yet it's so worth the sacrifice to Sabbath, to take time to rest, because it carries a blessing of life-giving goodness. At the end of the creation story in Genesis 2 verses 1 to 3, it says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in it was complete. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. The blessing of rest is for all of creation, and it is life-giving. It is holy. So much so, they say that the rhythm of Sabbath um, during the Holocaust, so the Jewish people really hold closely to the Sabbath. They know the true depth of what is there. And during the Holocaust, in the concentration camps, they say that the Nazis, um, as they were uh, trying to break the spirits, that they knew that the death toll, the hard labor, that that wasn't enough because they kept on feeling quite buoyant, and there is, um, I couldn't quite find where it was, but there's, um, there's a piece of writing from a uh, leading general that said, we have worked out the way to break them is to stop them from having their Sabbath. This natural cycle of once a week, then being able to stop, reconnect, recover, made them feel human again, and gave them hope. And that was one of the key tactics to try and break the spirits of people was to disconnect them from God by removing their Sabbath. 
But how do we actually Sabbath? In our society, how can we be countercultural? There is so much to do. And the truth is, I'm still not really sure. Me and, and Rachel, my wife, have been attempting to Sabbath and bring that into our lives um, for a long time. But it's really hard. And especially when you've got kids, like you've probably seen me this morning chasing after Caleb. Oh, my life. He's such a joy. Um, but Rachel's away this weekend. She's down um, at a Hindu with some friends, and she's having a great time. It's brilliant. Uh, it means that I've been flying solo with Caleb this weekend. And um, Sabbath has been a thing that has been a, oh, wouldn't it be lovely <laughs> to Sabbath today? How do you rest with that going on? And it also is so dependent on personalities. Like, me and Rachel found that my idea of Sabbath, um, with the way that my week looks, being out at work, my Myers-Briggs, INTJ personality, uh, being quite, like, I gain energy through introverted time, through time with myself or just a very small number of people, i.e. Rachel and Caleb. My desire just to chill at home with Rach and Caleb is really not how... Rach sees getting dressed. Rach is the opposite to me. She's an extrovert. She is um, inspired by being with people. She gets her energy and recovers by having fun with big groups of people, which I personally find exhausting. So it's kind of this balance between how do we Sabbath well when all I want to do is just sit at home, enjoy life, just have a cup of tea, a couple of biscuits. Oh, the dream. And Rach is like, Quick, Al, let's, let's do a barbecue and let's invite around the whole of Anglesey. And, um, and then, yeah, that would be great. Um, could you cook it for me? Cheers. And it's exhausting. But you see, that's the thing is that we have to journey through this. It is not easy to do when you have family, when you are passionate about all the things that happen in life, it can be really challenging just to even try and create that space. And even when you do create that space, people complicate it. What is Sabbath for one is different for another. But we found different ways through our pursuit, some kind of top tips. And as I said, this has been quite a heart message for me um, to try and discover a little bit more about what that means. Um, so I've kind of done a bit of research into this and had a look into it, chatted to some people that have journeyed this really well. And so I've got some practical ways to begin implementing Sabbath into our lives. So firstly, there is a recognition that Sabbath is not just a day off. It is not the day that we get all the jobs done around the house or go shopping, etc. But it is a day of rest from all of our work. So it requires some commitment and preparation. We might need to use the day before to get all of the stuff done, like going food shopping, to relax on the Sabbath. Secondly, it doesn't have to be a Sunday. Now, Sunday will work for some people. But for Rach and I, leading church and doing this, like, we'll be honest, this, this like, takes a lot from us, that means that Sunday isn't a good day for us to try and Sabbath. So we try to do from Friday night into Saturday night. That is kind of our Sabbath time. So usually by Friday night, I'm like, exhausted from the week anyway, so it's a great time where we just stop and have um, our Saturday as a family um, 
doing, doing fun, some fun stuff. Maybe for you, Sunday would work. Maybe coming to church is a great way to start your Sabbath with worshipping and being in community. Which leads me to my third point of incorporate a time of worship and prayer into your Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't just designed for us to sit in our pants and kind of chill out. It's actually also there for us to reconnect with God and our loved ones. It is there for us to be intentional with those things. So try and incorporate a time of worship in. So maybe Sunday would work for you. Maybe it wouldn't. And then finally, make your Sabbath work for you. So for example, me and Rach like to treat ourselves to good food. We eat really well on Friday and Saturday. Maybe we take a nap while Caleb has a nap. He's trying to drop a nap, and I'm like, no, he cannot drop a nap. <laughs> but we try and maybe have a nap, or we just sit and do that cup of tea, biscuits, oh, dream. We try not to shop or look at anything. Um, that maybe will kind of make us think, oh, we, there's a lack of something. We must look at shopping online or we won't, um, like I hate shopping, so this isn't restful in any way, but that kind of, we won't go to Dunnell Mill that has been the bane of my life for, for many years. Rachel loves that place. Um, maybe it is um, leaving our phones on the kitchen side just to disconnect. Now, that's not to mean that we won't, engage with that because often my Sabbath is a day to call my parents. But we leave it on the side so we're not distracted. We're not just looking on social media or for me, BBC Sport. But actually we can separate so that we are fully intentional with where we are at. We don't clean or do anything that's not enjoyable and we try to do things based on our personalities. So we'll try and incorporate a little bit of chill time and a little bit of active time. For me, exercise is a key part of that. I love going running or going for a bike ride or so on. For Rach, it doesn't really bring her the same sort of energy as it does me. But Rach likes to go out for a walk or go for coffee. I like to stay at home and potter about with the land with Caleb. And then the key thing here is that when Caleb goes to bed, we try to ensure that we do not do anything work. Now, this is really, really tempting because there is always something to be able to be like, oh, we just need to plan that for church or we just need to do this. Shall we, even looking at where should we go on holiday can often just cause arguments for us. So we try and avoid that. But we chill and we chat. We maybe watch a film or a TV series that we're into. We reconnect physically. Now, I've just got the male attention back in the room there. They're like, hang on a minute. I know what he means by that. But it's true. Yes, the Sabbath is a time to reconnect in your marriage as well. Emotionally, spiritually, and physically. That's really funny. Suddenly, I can see there's people here just going, later on, you'll go home and go, you know what? Alan had a really good point about the Sabbath. <laughs> Let's, uh, yeah, let's try and incorporate that into our lives more, darling. What do you think? But in all seriousness, we need to stop. We need to slow down and we need to rest. It is not only a commandment given to us from God who knows what is best for us. It is not just woven into the rhythm of all creation, into our very own heartbeat. 
But it is the life-giving practice that if we can genuinely approach it with the thought of, is it worship? Is it rest? Then we will begin to work at such a better rhythm within our lives. If you are someone who would say, I'm too busy to Sabbath, then you need to Sabbath. Like I know we are a church of doers. We are all very capable, very busy people. We carry great vision and drive to get stuff done and often for a really, really good cause. But how easy is it for us to become frustrated and worn down? How easy is it to say a throwaway comment to our kids, to slip into doing things because we should be doing them rather than we want to be doing them? But I believe God's plan for us as a church, and heck, for us as just humanity, is to pioneer a countercultural decision to choose a rhythm of work and rest. We work hard for six days, and we rest well for one. We become human again, and then we go stronger. So today, just to respond, I just simply want us to um, pray and worship I want to encourage you to reflect on what the Sabbath would look like for you in your life. What might need to be sacrificed? But how might it bring life in a sustainable, healthy rhythm of the long obedience in the same direction? So, um, music guys, band, can can you come up? We're going to just go into a time of worship, but I'm going to um, just pray so if you are able, will you 